It's great having, as Pastor Rob said, Daniel from Revival City Church in Adelaide with us this morning again. Great job. You released. Be released. Thank you so much, my friends up there behind me there. Who's loving spring? Man, I'm, rain's okay, but I'm, I'm happy for some sunshine. Last Saturday, spring came early, so that was, um, yeah, I've been enjoying spring. Happy Father's Day again to all our dads here this morning. It's a, it's a privilege to have you with us. For those watching on the live stream, uh, we can't wait to be gathering with you in person sometime soon, and we'd be believing that, yeah, if whatever reason has got you at home, that we can see that thing restored, that you'll be back with us shortly. But welcome to our One Heart Church uh, 10.30 service. Who loves gathering as a church? I love gathering as a church. It's, um, it's great worshipping at home, but there's something powerful about coming together, and you can have the Luke rally experience getting zapped on a Sunday morning. Fantastic. I'm praying for Luke, for those that know, for just, this is fun, I'm praying for Luke, and then he goes down and he's like, I just got zapped. How good's that? Sometimes you just need a good zapping on a Sunday morning, amen? Um, uh, so Father's Day, oh, it, it's so awesome to honour our fathers. I love my Bible, right? Um, for you, I don't know where you stand, but uh, me as a believer in Jesus, this isn't just a book of stories, this is history. I don't believe it's just fairy tales, I believe it was actual accounts that happened. And this book tells me that God has a plan for my life. This book tells me that God's got a uh, reason for me being on earth. And a part of this book, it says that God created fathers. Fathers are God's His design. Fathers are what He uh, uh, wanted to be part of the parenting design for humanity. And so I don't know, like fathers, they can bring many emotions to different people. It can be heartbreaking and it can be, uh, a, or it can be a place of real joy and excitement. And so I don't know where, do we have any new fathers here in this service? We had a few in the last service. Any first-time fathers? That's all right. Uh, they all came to the 9 a.m. But, um, but for some of us, it's, it's a Father's Day is a great day of excitement and joy. And for others, it can be not so that, that way. But the Bible tells us our job is to honor our fathers. So whether we have an absent father or if our father is the best father in the world, our job is to honor them because it's a design that God has given us to be blessed and favoured by. And, and our culture and our society has voices that want to undermine, demean, and mock fatherhood. But my Bible tells me that our job is to honour that and honour its position. And so today, every dad in this place, we thank you, we honour you, and thank you for the contribution that you make to your, to your children, to your great-grandchildren. We are so blessed to have you in our church. So today, all that being said, Oh, and I want to also, I just believe this as well, that there might be sons in this room or mothers in this room with sons, and you go, well, my child has had an absentee father um, household. I love the book of Daniel where we see those guys are in the furnace and it says they come out without the smell of smoke. And I don't know what attack comes upon men in this room. There might be men and young boys and mothers with young boys without fathers, but I believe they can grow up to become mighty men of God without the smell of smoke, that they can break the chain, create a new legacy of of health and flourishing for the future generation. So I believe that that can happen in our church, in Jesus' name, and in your life. Today we're going to be talking about dads and donkeys. Dads and donkeys. If you've got the church app, um, you'll see that there's no notes in there, so you can fill it out afresh, create your own notes, or if you, however you wanted to take your notes. We're looking at today, dads and donkeys. Do we have any dads here that have lost their donkeys? Oh, we've got one. We've got one, one dad on the front row here. He's lost his donkeys. Um, 
Pastor Rob in the first service, he's missed, when he was um, praying about the fatherhood stuff before, in the first service he made a mention that like, for some of us our dads could be like the, um, not the best experience that we could have. But I don't know what he was talking about. My, my experience of fatherhood has been the best uh, experience I could ever dream for. So I, don't, I, I, I had no idea what he was on about. I don't, bad dads, how did that happen? I did, but we're, it's, another, it's another service. Um, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 9 to 10, we're going to be looking at. 1 Samuel chapters 9 and 10. And it's an interesting part of the Bible. It's about a dad, Kish, who loses his donkeys. And it's very interesting. And um, So in the preparation of this sermon, I've been doing studies on donkeys and looking at different um, commentaries and things about what does donkeys mean. And, and it's really interesting stuff. So here's some of the stuff I've learned. And one of the, the uh, resources that I gathered, gleaned information from, says donkeys were an all-purpose animal, and it must be an American, equivalent to a pickup truck. And uh, so for Australian culture, the ultimate utility vehicle. Um, the, for, they were used for transportation, hauling, farming. They were a necessity. If you wanted to do anything, you needed yourself a donkey. The donkey uh, 2002 edition, right? You needed that, that, all the bells and whistles donkey on it. Um, and for me, I love my iPhone. You Android people, in Jesus' name, we pray for healing, <laughs> restore them. But um, my iPhone is amazing. It can do so many things. I don't know what I would have done without an iPhone. I can Google. I can go on YouTube. I can call. I can email. I can do banking. My iPhone has everything that I need in it. The donkey was the iPhone of the day. What, whatever thing that your iPhone could do, your donkey would do and better. Right? This is, this is what we've got to understand. That was what the, the, the value of a donkey. And I read my Bible and... There's many awesome stories about donkeys. There's many donkey highlights through the, through the pages of this book. If you haven't read your Bible, I encourage you to do a Bible uh, reading plan of donkeys and say, where can I find the donkeys? Right? Jesus needed a donkey. Jesus needed a donkey. Balaam needed a donkey to speak to him. I love that. We can speak in a heavenly language. Donkeys can speak in a human language. Read your Bible. Um, Samson used a dead donkey. Right? Shrek had a donkey. Everyone needs a donkey, right? And so when you lose your donkeys, it's a disaster. I don't know if you've lost your phone. Life stands still. What am I going to do? I need my phone, right? When, when you lose your donkey, you need to find that thing quick. And so in 1 Samuel verses, uh, chapters 9 to 10, we see a dad's donkey's disaster. So let's read that. Um, uh, there was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. I should have said this in the first service. That reminds me of Toyin. Heads and shoulders above the rest. What? <laughs> One day, Kish's donkeys, S, donkeys, S, that's an important S. That was more than one. He didn't have one donkey that straight away. His donkeys strayed. Now, we're not clear on how many donkeys that was. Was it 10? Was it 100? For the um, Ephesians 3.20 imagination, 1,000 donkeys. We don't know the number of donkeys that left, but there was a lot. The bigger the number, the bigger the devastation, right? And so uh, Kish is in some trouble here because he's lost his donkeys. So he told Saul, his son, 
take a servant with you and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of his servant, of the servants uh, and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim and the entire land of Benjamin, but they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, Saul said to his servant, let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than about the donkeys. Hmm, maybe highlight that one. Verse six, but the servant said, We've just, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. What luck, what a coincidence. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. There you go. There's a sign if someone's a man of God or a woman of God or a prophet, everything that they say comes true. But verse 7, but we don't have anything to offer him, Saul replied. Even our food is gone and we, have, and we don't have a thing to give him. Well, the servant said, I have one small silver piece. We can at least offer it to the man of God and see what happens. Um, in those days, if people wanted a message from God, they would say, let's go and ask the seer, for the prophets used to be called seers. All right, Saul agreed. Let's try it. So they started into the town where the man of God lived. As they were climbing the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water. So Saul and his servants asked, is the seer here today? Yes, they replied, stay on this road. He is at the town gate. He has just arrived to take part in the public sacrifice up at the place of worship. Hurry and catch him before he goes up there to eat. The guests won't begin eating until they, he arrives to bless the food. So they entered the town and they passed through the gates. Samuel was coming out toward them to go to the place of worship. Now the Lord told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow, I'll send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said, this is the man I told you about. He will rule my people. Just then, Samuel approached, sorry, Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, can you tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We'll eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what uh, you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Verse 25, Samuel took Saul up to the roof of the house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, get up, it's time you are on your way. So Saul got ready and he and Samuel left the house together. When they reached the edge of the town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead. After the servant was gone, Samuel said, stay here for I have received a special message for you from God. Next chapter 10, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over the Saul's head. And he kissed Saul and said, I'm, going, I'm doing this because, of, because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. When you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb on the border of Benjamin. They will tell you uh, that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. He is asking, have you seen my son? 
Verse 5, you'll meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They'll be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre, and they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You'll be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there uh, to sacrifice, burnt offerings, and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. Verse 9, as Saul uh, turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Come on, let's just pray one more time, and we'll conclude this message. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you that your word is alive, that it can change us. And it can do in us what the, the, the molding and the sculpting that we need to be effective for you. God, we just pray that you would offend us in the right ways, that we wouldn't hold on to our, 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 our fleshly, earthly ways of processing, but we would be lifted up to a higher heavenly standard. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Point one, Father's search. Father's search. Father's search for lost things. Kish lost his donkeys and he sent his son to search for his donkeys. Has anyone here heard of a man called George Lucas? George Lucas. He's an interesting uh, character. Uh, If it wasn't for George Lucas, you probably wouldn't enjoy the movies that you enjoy today. Every action movie, every part of um, the, the technology that's used to create special effects is because of George Lucas. He, when he created the Star Wars franchise, he was on the cutting edge of special effects. In, uh, what's the, this word tongue ties me every time? Innovative. Is that how you say it? Did I say it right? Innovative. Whatever that word is, it's like, it's like you're real. Like, I don't even know how to tongue, I don't know, get my tongue around that one. But he, he had the capacity to believe for things that no one believed before, and now the technology has come so far, but he was meant to say, you know what, we're going to go to next level in storytelling to pr- process these things forward. So George Lucas, this great storyteller, he, he wrote this quite, quite well-known um, things and movies called the Star Wars franchise. And he, he, he has this quote, he says, um, these movies are to be like poetry, they rhyme. So when you often hear him talk about interviews, he's talking about the Star Wars movie. He goes, they're like poetry. They rhyme. And so um, those that like the original Star Wars movies, they love it because George Lucas was a brilliant storyteller. But can I tell you, there's a better storyteller than George Lucas. His name's Jesus. He was from the, John, uh, in the book of John says, he was at the beginning, at the very creation, Jesus was there. When God spoke, Jesus spoke, and we're living in it, God is the ultimate storyteller. And, but just as George Lucas says, uh, this, these stories like poetry, they rhyme. When you get into the Word of God, you'll see it's like poetry. It rhymes. There's patterns. There, there's, there's concepts that flow all the way through the book. We go, I've seen that before. Hmm, that's interesting. I've seen that before. And you'll see there's a flow, there's a rhyme, because God is the ultimate storyteller. If George Lucas or man can make some fictional thing that rhymes, you read the Word of God and you'll see these patterns and these things flowing and rhyming. So we've just read this morning, a father loses his donkeys. A father loses a highly prized, valuable asset. So what does he do? He sends Saul. Kish sends Saul. Um, he sends his, his, 
another thing, in some of my studies as well, in another resource I read, it talked about Saul being the ultimate donkey wrangler. So Kish didn't send anybody to get the donkeys. He sent the very best, right? Very interesting. So he sent the very best donkey wrangler. And the other thing as well is the son understands that's my inheritance. Those donkeys, if you just send a servant, the servant's like, well, if we really bring back half the donkeys, well, I did my best. No, the son goes, no, I want all those donkeys because they're, they're mine. They, they, they belong to my father, right? And so we've we, we got to get it understand. So Saul sends his son. He, he wants his desired donkeys. Where have I, where have I seen this before? Where have, where have I seen this poetry before? Where have I seen that pattern before, right? In Genesis, we see God has his children in the Garden of Eden. Then this sneaky snake creates the... Um, creates a temptation and we see a separation because of sin between the relationship God had with his, his beloved children. And then, so what, what happens then? Well, God goes, I'm going to search for my lost possession. I want, because I'm holy, because I'm just, because I'm righteous, and now humans are sinful, broken, they can't contain my glory, I'm going to search a way to see the value return. And that's when then all of us would know John 3.16, verse 17, what would it say? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It rhymes. And it's, it's crazy. That wasn't by mistake in 1 Samuel. God didn't have Kish and Saul to... Uh, Oh, that will just we'll just put that story in there. God was divinely weaving the story to say, fathers search for lost things. Fathers send their son to restore and to redeem lost things. God the Father lost his relationship with humanity, and the Father sent his son to redeem what he had lost. I love the book of Luke 19 when we see the story of Zacchaeus. And because we would in our society, we have Zacchaeus in our life. They don't deserve God's grace. I don't like, we have those teachers. That teacher doesn't deserve kindness. That teacher's out to get me. Those police officers, why don't you catch a real criminal? Those fisheries officers, I, I'm just fishing, leave me alone. There's all these, out, that boss, that manager, that coach, oh, they're out to get me. We have our Zacchaeuses that treat us unfairly, that treat us, oh, I don't deserve this punishment. But as it says at the end of this, this, the, the Zacchaeus story, after his restoration, 19 verse 10, for the Son of Man, who is Jesus, talking about himself, came to seek and save the lost. And we've got to understand that for those people that are prickly, those people that we don't think deserve the grace of God, are the very people Jesus came for, to seek and save the lost. And so... Um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what place we get into. We've got to not let a hard heart brew on us, but we've got to get the Father's heart that we understand we're here to seek and save the lost. Luke chapter 15 talks about lost things. And um, if, you're a, if you're good into economics or a businessman, this challenges our earthly way of thinking. So there's three things that get lost. There's sheep, a coin, and then a son. And so we see there's 100 sheep, one like a donkey, one does the donkey and disappears, and there's 99 left. Now, economics, good business says, well, we've lost one. We're going to make sure we keep the 99. We'll, 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 we'll cut our losses. 
Well, that's what economics says. That's what good business sense says. Then we see this old lady. She loses a coin. Again, good business says, all right, we lost a day's wage. We'll go work another day and get it back. We're not going to waste our time trying to find what we can just rework to achieve and gain. But then we read then the final one, the lost son, the, the son that uh, rejects the father, the son that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your life an embarrassment. Right? The son that did everything to push the father away, the father goes, no, I love you. I, my arms are wide for you. I want to be generous towards you. And so we learn then that the father cares when our world says, don't worry about the lost sheep. Don't worry about that lost coin. Just work another day. The father's heart says, I want that sheep. I want, I don't care if there's 99 sheep, I'm after the one. I want that lost coin when the world would say, don't worry about that, just leave it where it is. Our father comes for the one. Our father comes for that lost person. For the person that does everything that would go, there's no reason, there's no way that I would show love and forgiveness. But we've got to get the father's heart and go, that very prickly person is why I'm on earth to help reach in Jesus' name. You might be that that one in a billion, seven billion people that's missing. But Jesus loves you. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You, could, you might feel like you're that coin. I'm useless. I'm of no value. Why would people worry about me? Jesus came to seek and save the lost, which is you. And you might be that son. I'm disqualified. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. I've blown it this time too far beyond repair. Jesus has forgiveness for you. And we've got to have that same heart for our, our generation. And so we, it's time we get a father's heart for the lost. Point two, fathers send. Fathers send. Fathers send you on an adventure. I love this, that Kish sent Saul on an adventure to find the donkeys. What a, what, it's a, what a great thing. And I believe God the Father, when it comes to the call of God on your life, is an adventure on this earth. He didn't just send us to go, oh, well, um, you're Christians. No, the, the faith life is meant to be an adventure. It's not easy. It's full of challenges. It's full of ups and downs. But I believe the call of God is meant to be an adventure. It's meant to be the most awesome time we could have. Not easy, but awesome. Um, and what's the, the amazing thing with this is the son said yes. Saul said yes. Jesus said yes. The son was obedient. He didn't just say yes, he had action. Saul was obedient. Jesus was obedient. And the cra- like, what's so crazy with all of this is that Saul didn't even find the donkeys. He failed. Mission failed. But he didn't fail. Because it's like we, in, our, in our natural thing, you had one job. You had one task. Find the donkeys. And he didn't do it. And so we'd look at that in the natural. That's a failure. But it wasn't a failure. He was obedient. He said yes. And so we can get caught up in this thing. Well, God said this. God said this. He might have done that, but he just wants their obedience. He just wants the, the yes. It's like, when, like you, for me, like this is, this is me being transparent. I've given offerings before, and I've been discouraged. Like, that's all we raised. But God challenged me to say, Josh, are you being obedient to me? Because it doesn't matter about the outstanding result. Your job is to be obedient to me. Your job is to be obedient to what I'm telling you to do. So that's where I, and we've got to understand, it's not about the, the, the end result. Your, your, what you can control is your obedience and your yes to Jesus. And we learn from Saul here a great lesson of humility. A great, a great lesson of humility. But we know as Christians, as believers in this place, Matthew 28, 19, I think it'll be on the screen. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is a great commission. That's a great, that is what we're meant to do. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, into the ends of the earth, right? So what's that saying? Jesus has commissioned the church with the will of the Father to seek and save the lost. The Holy Spirit has empowered the church to do the will of the Father, to seek and save the lost. Our job is to say yes and be obedient. That is what we're on the planet to do. And we've got to understand, though, obedience opens a door to opportunity. Obedience opens a door to opportunity. So we might go, well, that's our commission. That's our job, to seek and save the lost. Well, I haven't seen my class in revival yet. I haven't seen my football team in revival yet. I haven't seen my workplace in revival yet. That might be true, but our job is to be obedient and say yes and go, well, I'd love to see the donkeys found. But my job is just to be obedient and be the witness in that place. But we don't, you cannot underestimate the uh, opportunity in obedience because like Saul was just on a journey to find his donkeys and failed, he ended up becoming king. What, what, a, what an awesome thing. And you don't know why, with your obedience by saying yes to Jesus, by, I'm going to go to my high school and be a disciple maker. I'm going to go to my high school, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and go wherever I need to go. You don't know what opportunity will come from that by being obedient and saying yes to Jesus. You might be the next king. Who knows? We might be going back onto a monarchy. I don't know. But you've got to be obedient to the task you're given. Go on the adventure to seek and save the lost. Matthew 5, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Our task is to be salt and light. Wherever you go, our job, you've got to be salty. I know when you go to KFC, you need salt on those chips. When there's no salt, you don't want them. We need to have that same capacity on this planet. That just like you need that salt, that extra salt on the KFC chips, we've got to bring flavor to our world that people go, I want what Liam's got. I want what Pastor Pauline's got. I want what Bell's got because we're bringing what Jesus wants us to bring on this, on this planet. We've got to be the light. You don't cover that light up. When I'm driving on the highway, I don't cover my headlights up because I, I want to see. We've got to help people see in our world that's what we're here for. Last point. There you go. Get ready for your Father's Day dinners. Fathers simplify. Fathers simplify. Fathers simplify your identity. We've got to understand this, that a father will simplify your identity. We can get our identity caught up and mixed up in so many different things, but we've got to realize our identity is based from our father. Seasons of life can change. For me as a youth pastor, if Pastor Robin Pauline tell me tomorrow, Josh, you're not doing youth. You're, you're doing um, uh, nursing home ministry. If my identity is based in youth ministry, I'll be broken and crushed. But my identity isn't in that. Now, it's a, it's a cool thing I love to do, but that's not, that's not who makes me. If, if, I, if I get married and have kids and then they move out of home and they move, my identity, yes, I love my kids, but my identity isn't based on my kids. That when I move, they move away, I'm not crushed because my identity is based in something different. And I love in 1 Samuel 9 verse 5, it says that Saul had the understanding his identity wasn't based on the task but he goes I've lost the donkeys we haven't found them but my father is more worried about me than the donkeys then Samuel tells him 
in uh, 10 verse 2, the donkeys have been found. Your father is more worried about you. And I'm here to tell someone in One Heart Church, your identity is based from your father in heaven, not the job you do. We've got we to understand that revelation. Salvation is not based on what we do. Our identity is based in the Creator. That's why when it comes to political issues in our world, we, for people that have done, done things where we go, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt. But when it comes to the abortion issue, that person we say has life because they're loved by the Father. Their identity isn't based by what they do, what we want them to do. They're loved by God. And we've got to understand that, that the church, we, we understand our identity. We understand their identity, right? Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, it's Jesus' baptism. This is an amazing part of the Bible. It says this, after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened, and, he's, and he, this is John, he saw, like John the Baptist, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. For other translations, it'd be like, this is my son who I am well pleased. Before Jesus had a disciple, before Jesus died on the cross, before Jesus did any miracles, he was loved by his father. His identity was already established. I am loved by God. It wasn't, you die on the cross, now I will love you. No, he was loved first. If Jesus loves us first, Holy Spirit loves us, God the Father loves us, and we've got to get our identity from Him before any other thing, any other tag, oh, this relationship status, this job description, this other certificate, it doesn't matter. I've got a Father on earth. My Father doesn't value me by how good I mow the lawns. My Father didn't value me by the grades I got at school. My, value doesn't, my father doesn't value me by winning the best team man last night for Lincoln South Football Club. He loves me because I'm his son. My identity is based out of the love of the father, not the attributes of the son. I love it in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus is always getting attacked by religious people. And a big issue that they didn't like was uh, the Sabbath. A day. Now, the Sabbath is a pretty good idea to me. Sit down some, from Friday night to Saturday and just chillax. Turn your phone off and have fun, right? But uh, Jesus realized Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. And the religious leaders kept wanting to make the people submit to the Sabbath rather than Sabbath blessing the people. But we're going to get this understanding that your like with rosters, you might have a roster for church. You might have a roster at a sporting association. A roster for your work. The roster was made to help you. You weren't made to fulfill the roster. There's a big difference. Your name's not on the roster Go. oh, i got to serve the roster. No, the roster's meant to serve you. And it's the same thing with our identity. It's not what we do. It's not by the task we perform or don't perform. Our identity is already set. And from that is why we do what we do. And I love that Jesus came to shake up the religious institution and go, no, we're not going to be content with you living a life of uh, rule-based. Your, your life is an overflow and the rules help bless you, not condemn and bring weight on you. So we've got to understand that your, the task you perform or don't perform, the job you do or don't do, the relationship you have or don't have, your identity is based from our Father in heaven. And I love that. 
so stuffed up. He, but he understood, I'm still loved by God. And we got to get that revelation. So fathers bring identity, but it's, and it's more important than anything that we could do on so why don't we just stand up wherever we are across this building right this morning. Now I'm going to pray for a few of those things that we've talked about today. Fathers search, fathers send, and fathers simplify. And there might be an array of issues there this morning that might be where you're at. But we're, we're, going, to, we're going to sing a, a, a chorus or something in a moment. But as we do, I want you to say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what in that was for me this morning? What in that was for me today? And we're going to sing that. And then once we've sung that, I'm going to then pray over those areas, pray for those watching online, that we can see the breakthrough that we need this morning. So can we can we sing? Why don't we sing Worthy together? Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. is those, the, the perspective of you've got a broken relationship with a father or you're a child as a son or a daughter or you might be a father with a disconnection with your children or you might be the, the son in this place you're going, you know what, I don't, I've never had a father I don't know how to do this we're going to pray in faith that God's going to equip you with wisdom that we're going to see restoration on those literal family relationships right now so if that's you in this place or you know a circumstance like that why don't you raise your hand in faith and go God for that Declare that name of that person. We're going to believe in faith right now for a breakthrough. So God, right now, we pray for sons that have had absentee fathers. God, I pray that they would come out of that situation without the smell of smoke. That they would have wisdom to be able to lead a family that breaks the generational chain, that leave a legacy of freedom, a legacy of breakthrough. God, we submit to your design. The Bible says that fathers are your plan. The fathers are your design, and we want to submit our lives to that. So God, equip them and help them be the best dads that those children could have ever dreamed for. God, right now, we pray for relational uh, dysfunction right now. God, I pray for where there's parents that don't have relationships with their, their children and vice versa. God, we pray for forgiveness. God, I don't know the sins, the the uh, the debts, the issues that have accumulated, but God, if you forgive us, how much can you forgive? Help us forgive those in our life. So God, we believe for connection again, restoration to come, redemption to come to those relationships in a mighty, powerful way. The next, season, the next few things I want to pray for. You might be in this room and you're the person that goes, you know what, i, I got to understand. I need to simplify my identity. I've let this title control my life. I've let this part of my life dictate to me how I think. 
where, where my joy comes from. But today's a day of breakthrough where we break that idolatry that you go, you know what? I'm just loved by the Father. I'm just loved by God. So right now, if that's you, why don't you raise your hand? If you're watching online, if that's you, raise your hand in face. Say, God, break that. God, right now, we thank you that you love us. You don't have a finger of condemnation. You don't have a finger of judgment. But you have a finger saying, you know what? Come on, I'm loving you, son. I love you, daughter. You are, you please me just the way you are. So God, I pray that we'd see our restoration come to our, our senses, that we wouldn't have a business mindset, but we'd have the Heavenly Father mindset that we'd understand we are loved, we are valued, we are forgiven. God, that we'd understand that our identity is set by you. And from that, we do what we do. We don't do what we do to strive and get our way to you. And finally, I want to pray for those that may have been in a situation and in a position in life where you, you're not on the adventure. Kish was on the adventure. I sent Saul on the adventure. And God the Father sent Jesus on an adventure. But I believe God was to send you on an adventure where you don't just attend a Sunday gathering, but you live Monday to Friday with the fire of God to be empowered to change this place, this planet. So if that's you, you go, I want the fresh fire of God on my life. I want the fresh touch of God on my life. I'm going to pray in faith. So God, right now, you see these hands. God, I pray for a boldness. God, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them in such a way where they just say yes, where they are obedient to the call of God for their life. And just like we saw this morning, God, that Saul, it looked like in the natural that he failed. God, I pray for the discouragement. They go, in the natural, I feel like I failed. I'm on the adventure, but I haven't seen the breakthrough. But God, we just believe that there's opportunity in the obedience. And God, I pray that you'd help them be faithful to discover the opportunity when it arises and that they would be the best them that they could be in a mighty way. Why don't you grab your seats before we close? There's one last thing I'd love to, I'd love to pray for. At the very start, we saw that Kish lost his donkeys, his most valuable possession. And we saw the, the, the pattern and the rhyming poetry that God was setting something up to let us know that him as a father loves his son, his children that are lost. And you might not know Jesus this morning. You might, you might have heard of Jesus. You might have heard of God. But you want to start a journey and go, I want this to be for real. I, I want to know God in a real way. I want to know God, the, my creator. If God designed me, if he planned me and created me, I want to know that God. If, if he, he put me on earth in 2022 for a reason, I want to know who that God is. I want to do one last closing prayer and we're going to hand it on to Pastor Rob. Is that cool? God, right now we just thank you that our identity is set right with you. And God, we just pray for those in our world that don't know you. God, I pray uh, that you'd help us uh, be greater evangelists in our world that would see our next door neighbours come to know you. The person down the street would come to know you. Our co-workers, our school friends, wherever we find ourselves in, the, in, in Port Lincoln on the Lower Air Peninsula or abroad, that you would help us be divinely placed in their life, that we would see them come to know you, that when you return, we've, we've, we'll hear the well done, good and faithful servant for uh, seeing them have their relationships restored. Amen. Thank you, church.